0: This is the Barbecue Central Show Archives. The Barbecue Central Show airs live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices and a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit them online at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by Big Papa Smokers, creators of fabulous rubs, online retailer of grills, accessories, apparel, and creators of their own barbecue contest. Visit them online at BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, creators of injections and rubs, sweeping the nation, doing well in competitions and in the backyard. You can visit them at ButcherBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Call 440-943-943. Two seven zero zero and use Key Term Barbecue Brother when you talk to Steve, or visit them online at stephendefranco.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the best pellet grills you can get on the market today, varying sizes, not only for your capacity of cooking, but for your budget as well. Visit greenmountaingrills.com for more information. And by El Diablo Mustard, looking for a little bit of heat and flavor in regular old yellow mustard, El Diablo has you covered. Six different flavors to choose from currently and you can find them at ldiablomustard.com. and by cookinpellets.com Have a pellet-driven cooker? Why not try out some of the best pellets on the market and will not void any of your warranties, by the way. cookinpellets.com is the website. And by CookShack, a premier manufacturer of electric and pellet-driven cookers giving barbecue classes located in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Always running some kind of a special deal. Check them out at cookshack.com Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Oh yeah, it's the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rampey. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you see fit to join in on the show tonight... More than happy to have you. It is a phone call, as you see here on the uh, new set, by the way. Thank you, Denver Cabins. New set. Uh, 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com is the email address. Should you see fit to join in tonight? More than happy to have you. And uh, everything else you want to find out about the show, thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's coming up on the show tonight, in case you didn't get the newsletter, which I did send out. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes from now, pitmaster of Plowboys, both competition team and restaurant, Todd Johns joins us. He is a American Royal Grand Champion as well, by the way. Then we move to 935. Got a new product on the market? Got to get them on the show. Dave Bosca Butcher Barbecue. We'll be talking about the open pit flavor pork injection that he has fresh on the market. And then we'll move to the second hour. And, you know, when something good in barbecue is happening, I want to be first on board to tout it. When something is good in barbecue... And it's going down in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, City of Cleveland, Ohio. I got to talk about it, and that's why we're going to be talking about two half of the ownership of the Proper Pig food truck here in Cleveland, Ohio. Shane Vitovic joins us here on the show. Ten fourteen and ten thirty five. Should you see fit to keep it locked and loaded, all. Show long 216-220-0966. Greg at com. If you are watching the show right now or if you are listening to the show right now, a couple of different links I'd like to get out so you can invite your friends and neighbors and family to join along tonight in the fun and frivolity of the Barbecue Central Show. The audio stream can be found at the com. The video stream can be found at outdoorcookingchannel.com. And of course if you have internet protocol television or IP television as we call it here in the industry like Roku or Rabbit TV you go to that app store on the respective IP television software and you download the outdoor uh, download the outdoor cooking channel app and then you're off and running you can watch the live stream right there on the show uh, right there first uh First available choice is the live stream. Then you have me, and then you have all the other shows running off in archives. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the show for iTunes. Uh, 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 you can subscribe to this show on iTunes for replays. You can also go to the YouTube channel right there on the lower third. I'm sorry, right there on the lower third. Also, out there, Cooking Channel's video replays. Of course, the main clearinghouse for any type of replay is the main website, the thebbqcentralshow.com. No reason you should ever miss anything on this show ever. So there you have it. Uh, 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ-centralshow.com. Once again, the lineup tonight: Todd Johns coming up in about seven minutes from now. Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue, talking about his new product and some other stuff happening. And Shane Vidovic at 10:14 and possibly 10:35. His food truck business is called The Proper Pig. You can find them on the Twitter. At The Proper Pig, they will follow you back. They will interact with you. They will talk about Texas-style barbecue in Cleveland, no less. When do you get Texas-style in Cleveland? Hardly ever, but they are one of the few doing Texas-style. True, true Texas-style barbecue. Right here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Rarely does it happen. Uh, Coming up in the second hour... Uh, We will be talking to Shane, but in the second takes segment, which is just at the top of the hour, folks, do you have a Keurig, the coffee maker, the Keurig? Watch out, folks. You're going to want to stay tuned for top of the second hour. We're going to be talking about the Keurig and why you may or may not be simply horrified that you're still using it. Maybe you won't be using it after the top of the second hour, but we'll see. But I figured my duty to warn you, if there's something running amok here, out there in the consuming public, it doesn't have to be just about barbecue, of course. The Keurig is a very catchy, a very fad-like coffee machine. The single-use coffee machines have really become quite the rage. Um, I had one. I'm not a fan I prefer the Bun Home Coffee System, which is awesome. Hot water on demand. Brews ten cups of coffee in two minutes or less. I'm a Bun guy. Always been a Bun guy. But uh, the Keurig uh, certainly is beyond reproach as far as popularity is concerned. So we're going to address that. The only way it should be addressed with truth, honesty, and a uh, internet post, of course. <laughs> It's got to be true, right? Absolutely. All right, so uh, we are locked and loaded. We are off and running with the show tonight. Todd John's coming up out of the break. Uh, let me talk to you first about the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, look, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cookers, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy from anybody else? I don't know. Outrageous. Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I'm not going to get in the minute details, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature. And once set, keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sounds good to be true. It's not. This is real life, and you could take advantage of this technology today. Now... Maybe you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands, and quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperature. Barbecue Guru allows you to throw a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs on the cooker, and then you are off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains that pit temperature set at it. There are currently four different models to choose from, so you know there is one to fit your budget and your level of geek. And for instance, Geek's. You have Wi-Fi connections all over the place. You got hot spots. You got smart devices. Notebooks. Chromebooks. Tablets. CyberQ Wi-Fi might be right up your alley. You never even have to get out of bed anymore to check pit temperatures to make pit adjustments. Cooking too fast, you can lower the temperature of the cook. Cooking too slow, you can increase the temperature of the cooker. Also, you're looking at the internal temperature of meats as well. Once you get towards that finished temperature, you can start to ramp it back down, putting in a holding pattern, if you will. Really nice. Or if you just need a cruise control for that pit temperature, how about the Party Q? 149 bucks. Recently just got a makeover. Fits on a number of different cookers. Easiest point of entry into pit temperature control devices. Self-contained package that runs on AA batteries. Of course, you have the Onyx oven as well. They're working on a new cooker, which I hope to have more information on from uh, Barbecue Bob over there at the Guru. Sooner than later, I hope. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com and check out all their products if you have any questions about what to order. Call them directly. Don't live in the dark. 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800 guru That's G-U-R-U. Or visit the website thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue the Guru is a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Todd Johns from Plowboys Barbecue up next. Stick around. We'll be right back. 216 220 0966. Come on, come back here now. The email address is thebbqguru.com. You want to jump in on the show tonight? More than happy to have Oh boy. I have a feeling I didn't do something. Hold on. Hold on a sec. Give me one sec. Nobody's going to hear Todd when I call him, that's for sure. But we're all set now. All right. But we're all set now. Got to hear the guest, right? That's kind of key. Want to make sure you hear the guest. Otherwise, uh, you're in trouble, as it were. Uh, all right. Uh, this portion of the Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by Cook your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit cookandpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well. Thank you to cookandpellets.com. My first guest tonight has been an award winning championship barbecue pitmasters for years on the competition circuit however recently has gotten into the next step of the business of barbecue the restaurant business to be specific and has seen much success in its short life so let's go ahead and race on over to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show the pitmaster of plowboys barbecue todd johns joins me here on the show todd how are you buddy good how are you i'm doing absolutely fabulous todd appreciate you uh, making time out for the show tonight uh, obviously, very busy with all the the new endeavors that you are running into. I guess before we get into uh, Plowboys, the restaurant, uh, there was obviously a, a considerable competition, life and reputation, and, and rubs and products and all this other stuff. Uh, so, for the folks that may not be as familiar with. Uh, plowboys themselves as it started maybe a little background about you and kind of how you got into the barbecue scene maybe specifically the competition side of things and then of course we'll uh, convert over into the restaurant side
1: sure we started the pork Pull and plowboys barbecue team back in 2001 and the founding members were my wife's oldest brother randy and myself and randy's really the one that got us started in all this And when I first started dating my wife about 16 years ago, I think Randy took pity on me being the new guy in the family and uh, (laughs) just kind of tried to find something that we could connect on. It became barbecue. And he had a little bit of history being a pork producer for many, many years and working with Missouri pork producers and cooking for some events and really knowing a lot of the different cuts and uh, of the hog and how to prepare them and even today I feel like I understand the hog and and you know more than beef and a lot of it just comes from being around Randy so much and learning everything that he knew as both a producer and also as a cook and so you know I kind of know a little bit more I grew up in a farm family Um, both my grandparents had farms and I got to hang out there a lot, and be involved in that sometimes. And, and so just kind of learning more about the animal from Randy and some of my experience, you know, I think sometimes it plays into being a cook too. So, you know, that's a little bit of my background as far as, um, you know, getting started.
0: Did you find that the uh, the olive branch or the the thing that he was hoping to, to get in common was uh, was good? Did you think you were going to find as much fun in competition barbecue as uh, obviously you did?
1: No, and I'm, I'm I'm probably still every day just kind of shocked that it has all come to this, and uh, you know never would have dreamed back then or even in the recent past that things would have taken us on the roads they've led us on. So. Uh, we started out 15 years ago going to the American Royal and taking the KCBS judging class with the intention of cooking the following year, which we did. And so in 2000, we went to the Royal and took the class, and, and we got to um, you know, get the food that uh, actually Gary Wells, who uh, founded KCBS, was the cook that day and Gary cooked the food, and that's what we judged and, and learned what the process was all about. And what was kind of cool is last week um, as the American Royal had its cooking class, I was the cook for that class. So here 15 years later, you know, I go from kind of student to cook, and uh, it was a really cool, you know, it was probably only something I appreciated because no one else would have known that. But, you know, to kind of come full circle like that was, was kind of a neat thing for me.
0: Todd, I mean, I guess it's not normal that uh, you know, at least over the last handful of years since I've been doing the show, there you know aren't a lot of pitmasters that I've had on that have been doing competition barbecue for fifteen plus years as you have, and certainly you've seen a lot transpire, change, evolve over the last decade and a half. You know, when you look back to when you started, when you look to where we're at current day with what seems to be such a highly specialized events each and every weekend when you break down uh, ingredients that you're buying and uh, purveyors of the different meats when it never seemed to be like that. You know, What are the one or two biggest changes or evolutions that you've seen on this sport since you started in 2000?
1: Well, the biggest thing that has affected competition from the time we started until now is uh, j- the Internet and people connecting and learning from each other and people sharing more than they ever did back then. Uh, You know, it took us several years to learn what some people are going out and learning in their first several months. And there's so much information. There's classes. We didn't have any of that. And people were very, very guarded about what they were doing back then. Um, People talk so much more now than what they ever did when we started um, And there, you know, there are just, there were a few people out there that would mentor somebody else, but there was usually a pre existing personal relationship of some kind, be it family or friend. And, and, uh, you know, there's just, uh, it seems like the climb to the top can be a little faster these days. Um, but that being said, it's a lot more specialized. The cuts are getting, a lot more specialized, and it, it just seems like everyone's, you know, trimming that corner a little bit more and being a lot more razor sharp on what they're doing. So I think it's um, getting a little more competitive, uh, definitely, you know, than what it was when we started, but um, there's there's a lot more assets for people out there and a lot more products. Uh, there's a lot more products available than there ever was, and it's almost I think we're getting too many um, I think we're getting too many classes as well. Uh, I think some of the same things are starting to be retaught in everyone's classes. Um, and I, I think the it's easy to go to market with a rubber a sauce nowadays because uh, companies that help you manufacture and co-pack those things have developed um, marketing and sales and processes around small batch, uh, getting someone who – just started their, their product company. Um, you know, they had a good year on the competition trail and they want to parlay that into a a product and, you know, getting their, getting some money out of that market. And, um, so I think it's easier for folks to dip their toe in that. Um, and I think a lot of them learn how challenging that space can be. Because you are up against a lot of different a lot of competition, a lot more than when we started, but there was a lot even when we started in 2007 selling products, which by the way, started long before, well, it started before we started seeing success on the competition circuit. Like the rubs and the rubs came before we started winning uh, a, a lot of awards. So we, we spent a lot of time in the desert, as they say, uh, taking taking our lumps and learning ourselves um, And uh, b- before we became successful. I think I calculated we took 70 contests before we won our first grand champion.
0: Wow. That is a lot of lumps.
1: Yeah, but uh, it only took... Two more contests to get our second one. So it was like once we figured it out, it was like, oh, the light bulb went off. Oh, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is what it's supposed to taste like. And I think the biggest thing for me as, as a cook is I really could understand when I finally understood what good, supposed to look like. All of a sudden, the light bulb went off, and and things got a little easier for me, um, and you know then I then I could really kind of understand maybe what the what I thought the judges were looking for, and could start to repeat that process.
0: Todd Johns from the poor Pulling Plowboys joining me here on the show. Uh, we. Uh, sorry, Todd. I got a little diverted here off of the uh, original topic that I wanted to talk about. But uh, you know, seeing that as much time as you have in the in the world of competition barbecue, I could probably burn a segment uh, just uh, playing catch up and, and talking about that. But uh, I do want to mention the fact that you know a lot of people see success in competition, as you'd mentioned, they'll want to parlay that into some type of a revenue stream, and typically that's coming in the form of sauce or rubber, both or injection, what have you. Uh, but few. Uh, We'll take it to then what I would term the next level or or getting into the real business of barbecue, which is opening a restaurant, which is uh, something that you have uh, not only done once, but now uh, having a second location as well. So I guess, you know, where does the jump off? point occur from you saying hey you know we're we're successful at the rubs we're successful at the competition thing we won some of the biggest competition events during the course of a barbecue season that you can win uh let's make a run at the restaurant because that seems safe and an even bet
1: (laughs) yeah so for us it's just been a 15-year progression and um there are definitely a couple of key points along the way that probably propelled us a little bit further, maybe, you know, winning the American Royal or, you know, uh, uh, losing a job at one point several years ago. You know, I just kind of you know got a severance package after 10 years at a company and decided I was going to take a couple of months and, and it, it happened right in the middle of summer. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this summer off and go, go cook barbecue. This was back when there was a, jobs to be had. Yeah. And uh and so, you know, that was kind of pivotal. And at the time my wife was actually telling me, you know, this is what you love to do and why don't you try and do this full time but we didn't have the equipment. We didn't have there just we didn't have a lot of the things that we would need. And it was just too much of a leap at that point. But we just kind of gradually did more catering. And that's the other thing, you know, we talked about the rubs and the sauces and whatnot, but a lot of teams, you know, they, they learn how to cook. They learn how to cook well. Then the next step is learning how to cook a lot of food. And for some, a lot may be 40 people and maybe 400 people. Um, we've done as many as 2,600 people at one time. Um, so a lot is kind of a relative term, but they they start to branch out into, catering, cooking for events, it may be a family church, uh, whatever. And and then that tends to grow and you get comfortable with the forty people and then it expands to four hundred and you know maybe you do four thousand at some point. And wow. um you, you just keep pushing yourself and, and that kind of happened with us. We started doing more and more catering. Um I was working a full time job in IT, which I had done for twenty one years. And in you know, the last couple of years before the restaurant, when it came holidays, we were doing, my wife was full-time barbecue. You know, it was really my passion, but, you know, I was the one with the, with the good full-time job and and she quit hers and, and she'd go out and do the caterings while I'd stay up all night cooking, getting an hour of sleep here and there. I'd get everything ready for her and then I'd go to work for the day. And that was our life for a couple of years. And, uh, and then things, Came about, and we were able to do a restaurant, and here
0: we are. So, you know, historically, opening a restaurant is one of the more risky uh, things that you can do when you're looking at businesses. I guess. Um, what did you guys take into account, or you know, what were some of the planning moments uh, that you and your wife and, and whoever the the rest of the management team would be uh, that said, "Hey, here are the things we really got to hit uh, to ensure." that we have the best chance of success at a, at a barbecue restaurant. Plus you, you happen to be in a, in an area of the country that probably isn't hurting for barbecue restaurants, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, we're (laughs) in a monster of a market and, um, you know, I think largely that's not a good thing, uh, because the market is very flooded and there's a lot of people that are very familiar, very familiar with barbecue and, you know, um, Sometimes they serve it up to you, if you know what I mean. Right. So if it isn't up, if it isn't up to par, they know it. They're going to let you know it. And um, the market is here. It's a, it's, it's starting to change. I think a little bit in Kansas City, but you know the market's been dominated by um, what I call the four eight hundred pound gorillas, which is Joe's, Bryant's, Gates, and Jack Stack. All four very good steeps in tradition. Um. And, you know, the youngest one's almost two decades old. So um, great business plans. All four of them are different um, and great management teams and all that. So, you know, so so now you're the 200th barbecue restaurant in the city. And, and um, you know, you've got those four big guys you're going up against and, and everybody else. But I think what's starting to change is, you know, people are – they, they love those four places as they should, but they like venturing out and, and finding places like us too. And so we, we are trying to be a neighborhood place. We're in one of the suburbs. Um, I call it, the, call it a bedroom community. Um, we're the sixth largest city in Missouri. So we're a very large suburb. Um, I think there's 65,000 people kind of in our city and general area. So we've got a pretty large populace. Um, but most of them are going into the city to work and then living out here. So we tend to get a lot of big weekends, Saturday all day long. We're busy. Um, Sunday lunch, there's 10 churches within a mile of us. So Sunday lunch is our biggest meal of the week. And we get a lot of um, dinners and families that are busy and they're hitting us on the way to and from ball games or whatever they're doing as a family. And we have a drive through and we our restaurant for those who don't know is a form of Wendy's that had been closed for seven years and we picked it up and renovated it. And most people could not tell it was a Wendy's, but we have a drive through and that drive through, uh, counts for 25% of our overall business at an average day in day out. And, you know, my feeling is of that 25% of our total revenue, um, I, I bet 20 of it would not exist at all if it wasn't for the drive through You know, a portion of that, maybe 5% of our, our business would get recaptured by people coming in the door. But I think a lot of them would would, would not come in because of the inconvenience. Yep. People like to just come through and get it. And we're all trained that way from years of fast food and whatnot. So, um, you know, I... I'm sorry, Greg, I don't remember what your original question was, but I'm just kind of rambling. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, it it was answered and and then some. uh, So I certainly appreciate that. We're talking with Todd Johns from uh, Port Pullen Plowboys. Todd, do you have a uh, a website for the the restaurant itself?
1: You know, that's one thing that um, I'm actually um, having some meetings and taking a little trip tomorrow, and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. Um, You know, we're – being a small business and trying to you know get the second restaurant going and and still have all the sauces and rubs, which has been a growing business for us too, and it's uh, it's hard to do it all. And I'm trying to find some help on that. We do um, a lot of stuff on Facebook, and that tends to be um, very easy, and we we have a great following from a lot of our loyal customers on there. So we've really tried to focus on social media with the with the new restaurant which is now in downtown so we're out in the suburbs but the downtown restaurant is in the second tallest building downtown uh, called town pavilion and we're on the ground floor with a corner spot um great location there's like two thousand people just in our building and with the two other buildings connected with us different from the suburban restaurant that we have. Um, But when we were we're working on a website um, that you can, and there's a mobile part of it too for smartphones, where you can actually order and pay online. Um, If you're ordering a group lunch, like if, you know, the admin of a um, local business wants to order lunch for 20, they can actually set up a, Uh, a group order and then send the link out to the 20 people and they come and place the order online as well. So no more of this, get the paper menu and pass it around the (laughs) office. Uh, It's all virtual now and then they can pay, they can set their time when they want to come pick it up. And, you know, we have management functions as well to be able to say, Hey, we can only do so many orders, you know, during this time of the day. um, So that, you know, if we're doing a heavy lunch in the dining room, you know, we can only do so much to go, but, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is is coming for us and it's in the planning phase right now. And there's a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be able to do with that. So it's fun being, uh, you know, it's fun having, this is what I love. I love competition, but this is really what I love. I love being an entrepreneur. I love building a business. I love, you know, trying to see what I can do to expand and grow that business. And, um, I've been fortunate in my, um, Former life, 21 years in IT, of being surrounded by a lot of really smart, brilliant people, and tried to suck as much off of them as I could. And I feel like I used a lot of um, experience that I've you know, gotten from other people almost every day in my in my current life. So,
0: Todd Johns breaking it all down for us. Uh, you can find him in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Pork Pulling Plowboys, uh, Pitmaster as well. Uh, Todd. Uh, I've run out of time because I'm a, uh, a guy that asked questions that uh, were offhand in the beginning, and I apologize, but I mean, I would really love to have you on so we can really you know look at a little bit more of the intricacies of you know opening a restaurant and how you found a, a place instead of building and rent versus own and your own versus franchise, all that stuff yeah. that you know maybe you, you yep. may or may not consider, uh, because I know there's a lot of people out there who really appreciate that information. So uh, let's uh, get together off air, see if we can't uh, hook that up sooner than later, but uh, I do appreciate you making time for the show. Continue success, man. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks. All right, take care. There he is, Todd Jones, uh, Pork Pulling Plowboys, man, killing it, killing it on the restaurant side of things. Voted best burnt ends in Kansas City, Missouri. Are you kidding? Who gets that when you're fresh up and running? Probably not even a year. Todd does. Todd does. Todd wins best burnt ends. Dave Bosca coming up out of the break. Uh, Gang, if you didn't know by now, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of all-American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. The rubs have won almost every major competition barbecue event, including the 2012 and 13 World Series of Barbecue in Kansas City. 2012 Jack Daniels Invitational, 2013 Kingsford Challenge, 2014 Houston Livestock and Rodeo, many more to come, many that have won this year already that he hasn't listed here on the Reef. BPS has also banded together with a fellow California-based rub company called Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've also created two of their unique competitions, all their own. King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in barbecue and a head-to-head, back-to-basics competition style. The King of the Smoker is unique in the fact that contestants may not use any electric devices, such as pellet cookers or pit miners. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal, wood, and their wits to win one of the most high-stake barbecue competitions around. The other competition that BPS has started is known as Guinea Pig. This is a cost-controlled competition that helps To bring in newcomers to the competitive barbecue world, it also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentives to get new competitors in the world of competition barbecue. On top of all that, Big Papa has created a unique brand ambassador program, the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. So keep in mind, the Big Papa Smokers, Sterling Ball and the Gang out there, I've been able to do this within the four years of it being in existence. Business, if I might say, in another way. Turning the competition barbecue world on its head. Creating their own unique competition. Becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain. And benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Of course, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. Big thanks to Sterling Ball and the gang over there for support of the show. Certainly appreciate it. And we'll be talking to him shortly we will uh, head on over to pick up Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue to talk a new injection hitting the market. Stick around. We'll be right back.
2: Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Reffey.
0: Welcome back. Thanks again to Todd Johns for uh, joining me in this past segment. My next guest, a championship-winning pitmaster on the competition, sir. Purveyor Fine Rub sauces in the jet. Most recently, a panel member of the 2014 competition chicken roundtable show. And a longtime sponsor of this show. Let's go ahead and race over the hotline and welcome to Uh-oh. this is where I say let's welcome Dave Bosco to the show
2: no
0: I see him in the he's not still in that meeting is he it's 830 E uh what it's, it's 8.30 Western Time. Please. Central Time. All right, let's try again. I'm not going to turn up the volume. Leave the meeting. Leave the meeting. Come to the show. I think he said he had a 7 o'clock meeting Central. That's 8 o'clock here so yes Hold on, just a second. all right all right okay am I, am I hanging up no I was talking to Dave you can't hear it I have my earpiece in Where is? Let me get to Dave's website. Pull it up over here on the. On the main stage, ladies and gentlemen, main stage, yeah. And let me see what he has. Uh, is there any news? I know this is like fresh off. The man, You there, Dave? Yes, sir. All right. Dave Bosco, ladies and gentlemen. Dave, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm fine, sir.
0: Good. All right. Uh no problem. Let me uh I'm just uh trying to pull up the most uh recent picture that I use when you call or when I have you guest on the show. It's the uh very impressive is that the is that the pitmasters trophy that you have? In your hand in that uh, glory shot that I use? You know what I'm talking about?
1: To get on there and look.
0: I think that's the the TV show trophy shot. All right, Dave. So uh, for people who don't know you, you're Dave Dave Bosco, Butcher Butcher dot ButcherBBQ.com, longtime sponsor of the show, and, uh, of course, uh, wildly appreciated by your host and friend. And... I guess the one thing that I, you know, as a, uh, I guess what I would term myself as a a businessman or a a semi-entrepreneur, which you are as well, aside from being a a great cook out there on the scene, uh, you're you're always thinking of something new, uh, whether it's uh, this trade-in program that we've talked about now for a while, whether it's adding to the the product line with rubs and sauces. Of course, a lot of people know you from the injections, uh, which you have the pork, the beef, and the, the, the prime injection, the bird booster, which we've talked about as well. But uh, it's like it's never enough. There's always something that is going on in that injection mind of yours, and we have something new to announce tonight, which is the open pit flavored pork injection. So you, you, you take it for a face value introduction, and you're like, wow, that sounds intriguing. I want to know more about it. Tell me, uh, A, what can we expect from this injection in a, in a profile, a flavor profile? Uh, but I guess, B, more importantly, you know, where is this even rattling around in your head Is something that uh, you want to bring to market? Is it like market research? Is it a, a flavor that you remember growing up or a flavor that you prefer when you're cooking in the backyard that you wanted to bring to the masses? Tell me about open pit flavored pork injection.
1: Yeah, open, okay, first open pit pork injection is a similar product to our rotisserie chicken. That flavor derived from that um, I was playing with it, and another team had mentioned that sure would be good on pork. I was already using our rotisserie chicken injection in my pork, and I thought, hmm, let's see here. Let's take the chicken stock out and let's start playing with this, and that's what I did. Um, I thought if I'm not the only one that thinks the flavor will be good there, we, there must be a, a, a call for it.
0: So, uh, Dave, let me interrupt so we, just for a second. you You're using ch- your rotisserie chicken injection in your pork.
1: I was for a while because I didn't have this product. I actually... <laughs> I mean, it seems you,
0: completely uh, counterintuitive.
1: No, 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 it's not. It's all flavors. Um, it, it, it's games we play with the judges. They <laughs> eat... Um, uh, by the time they get to pork, they've already had 12 pieces of... Barbecue. You need to give them something else different. Sometimes the middle of the road is not where you need to be. Um, so sometimes you curve off to one side or the other. Uh, sometimes it's spicy. Sometimes it's sweet, savory. Um, this, I, I chose that route, and I did that in pork uh, for a while. Uh, you really don't want to know what's in the brisket. Um, that's for another round table. But uh, <laughs> the pork, yeah, I, I did that for a while. And so I took uh, the pork injection that we have with that with a hydrolyzed vegetable protein. We started blending it with this, and it was kind of plain. So we started stepping it up. We we got some different things in it. We got some molasses. Um, there's some four kinds of peppers that are in this. Uh, there's some dried butter, which that was in the chicken. Uh, there's just different things, and there, it's a different combination of it for the pork because most pork is cooked so much longer than the chicken. So we had to change up the way the flavor hits your palate to make it still have a good taste. I've been cooking with a form of this pork injection since May. And the biggest thing we've had has been the pepper, the black pepper, actually we had a real hard time getting the peppers to go through the injector. We went to, uh, uh, the finest ground pepper, we sifted the pepper. We even went and located a provider that could get us a regular stock of liquid pepper. Um, we didn't like that. Uh, and then we ended up just using the white pepper because that's uh, basically it's some of the part of the black pepper without the kernel. So that's, that's what we ended up going with was the white pepper.
0: From a, a purely market standpoint, how long does it take? I mean, look, uh, you, you've obviously created a number of injections. So, you know, the process, I guess, in an overall sense, has already been laid, and it's uh, more of a, uh, of a honing of the product. But h- how long does it take from you messing around with it and, you know, saying, hey, I like this chicken thing, but let's do a, a pork thing with it and, and, and bring it to market? How long does it take you to go from test to, okay, here we go, we're, we're ready to, to unveil it as you did a couple days ago on the Internet?
1: Anywhere from three to six months, sometimes eight months. Uh, if it's a completely new product, it could take a year, but sometimes six to eight months is a good average. Uh, I'm playing with uh, three other rubs right now. We've been uh, working with uh, suppliers trying to get the right flavor product. Um, I think they'll be great rubs, uh, but at this point, we're not ready to come out with them. Uh, and I've got a liquid product that I was actually used back, I started using it the year we did the Barbecue Pitmaster show. The folks we cooked against on that show nicknamed it uh, Egg Yolk. Uh, but I'm not ready to come out with that. I've been using that on my own, and that's just my own little something. some point, I may market that and send it out. But uh, coming up with products, uh, we call it the boardroom. My son works with me in the meat shop, and as we stand over the cutting boards, um, we, we throw, throw tomatoes on the wall and see how they hit. But, so we call it the boardroom. That's where we come up with ideas, and we start uh, playing with them.
0: When you have as many uh, proven and successful products as you have out on the market now, a lot of people would aspire to, to reach the level that you're at, but and you're constantly trying to think of, of different things. As you said, in the boardroom uh, with your son, who I'm guessing that's Levi, right? yes sir yeah, shout out to him uh by the way phenomenal photographer but different story for a different day um when you're dealing with these co-packers or these people that are trying to to, to get it together for you, do you get a lot of pushback or, or static where they're trying to tell you you should use this or, or you should use that or are you pretty much steering that ship at this point
1: i find my vendors um we i i directly work with the flavor vendors and then we send it to our packer.
0: So you have a full blown recipe in hand and you just tell them, make this.
1: Yes, that's right. As far as a formula or something that will this product work in the market will it not? I've got a saying that I read a long time ago and I always always take an item and I put it into this saying and that will tell me if it will generate enough sales for me to contribute any more time to. Is it worth buying labels for? Is it worth putting the market? Do I have a, the right market for this item? And that's the reason egg yolk ain't out there right now. I don't believe there's a big enough market for it, so I've held off on it. But the saying that I, I always go with is what weakness does this strengthen and how many people have that weakness?
0: So until you reach that threshold of the more people have the weakness than don't, then you're gonna you're gonna keep it in house, if you will. That's correct. Dave Boskin from Butcher Barbecue uh, joining me. ButcherBBQ.com is the website, of course, as you hear about each and every week on this show. Uh, Dave, real quickly here before I let you go, and appreciate the time tonight. If if you could just kind of recap again, you know what injection does, uh, how it differs from. A, a brining, if you will, because I know a lot of people on the periphery, especially coming up to Thanksgiving, are, are going to do a, a brine turkey, if you will. Uh, but talk to me a little bit, uh, educate us a little bit about injection, how it works, and, and why you're a big fan and, and why you've really uh, latched onto that product line.
1: All right. Uh, brining, first off, actually molecularly changes the cell structures of the muscles and the meat itself. Injection does not do that. And if you're looking to grow or to get into food service, there is a lot of the state health departments that will not allow you to brine without a HACCP program. Injecting can be done instantly, and no HACCP program will be uh, forced upon you. Um, Number one, that's that's a great thing. Um, Now, injecting, it will help penetrate the meat right to the center where you need it, Um, It'll help get you the flavors right there. You can brine a brisket, and it takes several, several days for brining to penetrate the thick, dense muscles. Injection is done within 15, 20 minutes. So, number one, that's the best scenario uh, to use for brining versus injecting.
0: As far as uh, you know, that that moisture retention, and you've talked about it on the show. I, I specifically remember when we were talking about bird booster, but I mean, there is a, a quite a, a level of enhanced moisture retention uh, when you're doing an injection versus versus the brining too, as well, right?
1: Absolutely, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, you can you can penetrate in areas that sometimes. Uh, well, no, I can't say that. No, brining will eventually get to everywhere but the injections can get there almost instantly so the the travel thought i had there won't work so i'll share that
0: <laughs> All right. uh dave bosco from butcher barbecue joining us here on the show the new product is called open pit flavored pork injection so if you are uh, looking for a, a new flavor for the pork, or uh, perhaps you want to diverge a little. Maybe you're like Dave. You've been using the, the chicken, uh, rotisserie chicken in your pork, and you want to try something a little bit different. This is something you want to go ahead and pick up. It is It is it uh, it is available for sale on the website, right, Dave? Yes, sir. Right. We
1: have a standard operating procedure. We send stuff to the stores before we ever release it. So I would love for you to go out and check with your local store first, then hit us up if you can't find it there. So. Um, please, let's, let's let's support our stores.
0: ButcherBBQ.com, the website. He is Dave Bosca, pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue. Dave, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming out tonight, buddy.
1: Great. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I was late.
0: Yeah, no, not a problem. There he is, Dave Bosca. I just appreciate making the call, Dave. What are you, nuts? Sorry you're late. I'll get those 30 seconds back, young man. Get that big stuff out of here. No, I won't. It's fine. The day that I, I think I was a minute late to my own ship. Wait, no, I was. I, there stays. There goes Stage. All right, folks, you've seen it for the last two interview segments. Let's go to instant chat for yay or nay. New set, yay or nay. Look at I hung this nice new wood paneling. I put in the uh, spotlights. A little better lighting. I know you love it. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, Barbecue Junkie. First of all, the website, stephendefranco.com. Second of all, the phone number, 440-943-2700. When you go to the website, you're going to check out everything he has to offer. Steve is a engagement wedding ring, uh, wedding ring superstore. Typically, I'm talking to you about watches, the Bold of Us, the Citizens, the and uh, Company watches, those uh, nice high-end without the high-end price type watches. There's a number of other things in Steven's store that if you can't get there in person, you can go on the internet, you can troll around, see what you like. And then you call 440-943-2700. If Steve does not answer the phone, there's a very high likelihood that he will. He asked for Steve, he'll answer the phone. Steve, say, hey, Steve, my name is Joe S. the Ragman, and I'm a big fan of the Barbecue Central show. Greg told me to call you, and I saw this Camille bracelet, or I saw these set of earrings, or saw this watch. I'm a barbecue brother, or if you're a lady, I'm a barbecue sister. Boom. He will hook you up. You know, a lot of the stuff that you see on the website, and a lot of you are going to the websites now, I mean, especially some of the big holidays coming up. Do it now. Shop now. Save now. Remember, everything shipped to you for free as well when you go to Steve's. Again, stephendefranco.com, 440-943-2700. Ask for Steve. Tell me your barbecue brother or sister. He will give you the real discounted prices a lot of that stuff that is on his website. Manufacturers kind of disallow him to show what he would normally charge, especially for the people that are you're know, looking for the hookup. That's the barbecue people. He knows what it's like. He doesn't want you to have the very lackluster experience of dealing with the turds, the malls, the big box stores. No names, please. You know who you are. So call him at 440-943-2700 or stevendefranco.com. Test him. Say, hey, I'm looking for something sweet for my wife. I got this much to spend. Give me some options. He'll give you options. stevendefranco.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Thanks again to Dave Bosco, Butcher Barbecue, for joining me this past segment. And by the way, this is real wood. Don't let Don fool you. I used to be into that green screen crap. Not anymore, pal. That's real oak. You don't believe me? Just listen. See? Real wood. Uh, if you have the ability, as Dave said, to go to a store, uh, go to his website, see where he's being sold in in store. Uh, or Dave, if you have the stores that you are in, give a list. If you're around those purveyors, Dave said, support the shores, support the stores. What are you talking about? Lots of pixelation from my shirt, David. How dare you? I'm electric electric pixelation. you must be watching on the big screen yeah that's right Don G you my man you my man that's my aura should be gold it should be amber to color my energy uh, if you do not live by a purveyor butcherbbq.com the website you know the website you love and while you're there, pick up the new open pit flavored pork injection, yes. Pick up a five-pound bag of honey rub, yes. Pick up a six-pack of sweet barbecue sauce, yes. Remember, if you get over 200 bucks, you get free shipping as well. That sweetens the deal. I mean, you can spend 200 bucks there easy because all that stuff is so good. Don't make the same mistake I did when I was buying stuff there originally. Buying the small stuff. No, don't do that. Buy the big stuff. Buy that big stuff. Right? Buy the big stuff. Uh, all right, we'll uh, step away, reload for the second hour. Shane we will be talking food truck, Sea town proper pig. we got Keurig coming up next. It's fun and frivolity here on the show. You are listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks.
2: from Charlotte, North Carolina,
0: and this is Barbecue Central. From my heart and from my hand,
2: why don't people understand my intention?
0: Happy to have you aboard here for the Really Big Barbecue Show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. You're fine,
1: how's
2: it going? We <laughs> have a great show, I'm
1: a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono, it's all about the charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 50 wieners. wiener. <laughs> listen,
3: Labernia, it's a shake his face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have
1: top men working on it
2: right now. Ooh.
3: Ooh. Top men.
0: Just like that, we're in the second hour. Yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, hanging out here on the floor. Well, that. Well, watch out. My aura was really Uh shining. What? I wanted something a little different. You know. Something that, uh,. This, this gives it a little bit more homey, little nineteen 1975, 78 look, right? Yeah. Yeah! That's right. Uh, folks, welcome to the Barbecue Central Show, second hour. Uh, this is a show, if you're just joining us here for the second hour, you've missed the first hour, and shame on you. It was spectacular. I thought about just packing the show in after the first hour. We talk about... Items that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. You know, this show isn't just about competition barbecue. I mean, for crying out loud, the last two guests that I had on have competition chops, but it wasn't about competitions per se. So n- don't listen to people that are telling you that this show was only about competition. Nay, nary. A word of truth to that. We try and cover it all. The Baltimore Club basement look—I like it. Mark, yeah. Baltimore Club. This is this is downtown Cleveland look. It's the wood look. Is that a butterfly tattoo on Greg's list uh, wrist? Very dainty. No, it's not a butterfly. Clinton heard yeah. that stuff out of here. and so what if it was i'll have you know uh all right where'd i where'd it go where'd it go i mentioned at the uh oh i'm sorry uh so we uh, talk about barbecue and grilling here uh you can find this website off hours at the bbq you can find archives at the same website, we broadcast live from nine to eleven. Again, you know, I say it every once in a while because uh, people listen to podcasts. This show is a live show. Like right now, if you're not listening to the show at this very moment, at nine oh three and fifty five seconds Eastern Standard Time on a Tuesday evening, October fourteenth, is today the fourteenth? Uh, who knows? If you're not listening to the show right now, you are listening to it in replay hey. podcast. I am recording the show as it's happening live for the people that can't... Did I say 9.03? I mean 10.03. Sorry, Don's always there for me. Um, this show happens... This isn't pre-recorded. And then I edit it out. I mean, however it's happening right now for the next 120 minutes is how it went down. So when you're listening to it Wednesday, Thursday, or two Thursdays from now because you're lazy or you have some... More important things to do that I don't want to hear about you bruise my fragile ego, know that you can join us if you set a reminder in your Google's calendar from 9 to 11 every Tuesday evening Eastern Time. You can tune into the show at thebbqcentralshow.com or outdoorcookingchannel.com or on Roku or whatever. There's plenty of different ways to consume the show live. and Of course, you can get it in podcasts too, but join the live crowd. It's growing. I mean, we had damn near 100 people, I think just on the Outdoor Cooking Channel side uh, when Todd was on and one day was on here this past hour. Let me take a quick peek. I mean, we're damn near 50 still. I mean, come on. It's a huge live crowd. People aren't pulling this. Don't come at me with that blog talk radio or shit.
2: Get that big stuff out of here. Has
0: anybody else noticed that coffee seems to be really popular these days? Every corner has a Starbucks. Every corner has a mom-and-pop coffee shop that is bitching about Starbucks. Regional coffee shops like here. I don't know if they have them where you live. Uh, Arabica. Hell. Yeah, Arabica was very popular. Starbucks putting those people out of business. Clint Cantwell saying, Why is Greg in my grandparents' basement? Dude, this is high-quality cherry wood that I just milled myself over the weekend and hung it on the wall, bitch. Clint, don't you have some lame articles for grilling.com to uh, edit Uh and stick up and pass off as your own? Beat it. So coffee is popular. And then it's like, what could we... What machine or what device can we make that would increase the popularity of coffee? Well, of course, it is the personal coffee machine and none other than the most popular personal coffee. Not the Tessissimo that that, uh, Penelope Cruz markets. I don't even know the name of the machine, but I know her name. Tessimo, whatever, forget it. Not that. The Keurig that's right. K-E-U-R-I-G, Keurig, or as my dad calls it, the Kroig. Not right. That's incorrect. And, you know, you've seen it. Some of them have a water reservoir. Some of them you got to dump the water in, and it takes like five minutes to do it. But, you know, spend the 140 bucks, buy the Keurig that has the water filter with on-demand hot water. I mean, if your coffee machine still has to heat the water through this and it takes like eight or nine or ten minutes to brew a pot of coffee, you're living in the dark age. Get a bun. Get the Keurig that has the water reservoir on the side for on-demand hot water so you can just brew at will. You want to brew at will, basically, is what I'm saying. Well, this fine gentleman uh, or lady... Aaron Chamerlic, who is an MS, also an MT and an ASCP, whatever the hell that is. What busy person doesn't love the idea of having a personal cup of coffee instantly with a push of a button? Many people are delighted when the Keurig machines show up in the workplace or doctor's waiting room. I love the idea. I bought one from Costco along with a handy unit to store these award K, or these awkward K cups. Of course. Insisted on the Newman's Organic K-Cups for my own coffee choice. So we stocked a hot little beverage center for a variety of K-Cups. A little invoice inside my head starting asking questions. I pushed those concerns away for the sake of convenience. But here's what she was wondering. How fresh is the coffee in a K-Cup? What toxins am I exposing myself to? As the hot water forces the coffee through a little hole poked in the plastic cup.
2: Oh!
0: What is that lid made of that is poked at the top to allow water to enter the cup? What chemicals are used in the flavored coffee selections? Is there a filter inside that plastic cup? What is it made of? And How is it secured inside the plastic cup? If you own a Keurig, please continue reading the post because I discovered shocking and sickening files. This will explain why I kick my Keurig to the curb. First of all, is your Keurig harboring mold and bacteria? Look, I don't have to read the answer to that. The answer, of course, is yes. So isn't every other freaking coffee maker ever on the face of the earth. Scaling, hard water. Unless you're using distilled water and buying it from the groce, you know, chances are you got crap in your water basket. The K-cup conundrum, of course. Everybody very worried that they're plastic, non-recyclable. Come on, we're not gonna be around here to have to worry about that. So overrated, this filling up of the land for it doesn't buy a degree. Yeah, forget it. I'll be long gone. Beat it. Big uh, the biggest concerns, as far as you know, the top, which is uh, the top of that K Cub, the lid is a polyethylene coated foil. Aluminum foil, she would like to avoid aluminum because the connections with the biggies. These biggies in no particular order. See Alex disease. Yes. How about this one? Depression. Ain't got time for that. How about this one? Aluminum foil? Aluminum connected with anxiety. Huh? What? <laughs> How about this one? You ever heard of this one? Alzheimer's disease. How about this one? You ever heard of this one? Alzheimer's disease. How about this one? You ever heard of this one? Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. Connected. That's right. And then she goes on to talk about uh, reusable this, reusable that. I mean, come on. Why? Why is this lady? Trying to get up on my Keurig talking about it's bad, it's moldy, it's going to cause Alzheimer's disease. You're going to be an Alzheimer's ridden, depressed, anxiety laden, Cialic diseased, have a motherfucker. Don't we have enough to worry about in this country right now? Going back to war. Ebola raging around the damn place and we're going to worry about K-cups, aluminum foil lids and if the cup is recyclable or not outrageous get me out of here Shane Vitovic coming up oh I forgot Mark I forgot that one how about this one Alzheimer's disease, aluminum connected to Alzheimer's disease. That's right. Folks, uh, they are a new and now vaunted sponsor of the show. Cook Shack. Boom. Dave Bosky's Cook Shack. If you're not into the wood fires, like the stoking of wood fires, if you're not into tending charcoal cookers, if you're not into tending pellet cookers, for crying out loud, which cook shack makes then look no further than cook shack and their electric line of cook that's right you have the smokehead elite you have the smokehead original you have the super smoker elite and the americue these are their electric models that you can choose from plug them in load them up with some smoke wood and then set the temperature and boom you're off you're ready to hit it go out to the beach if you want to Take advantage of some pretty awesome accessories, like the ones I've been talking about for the last couple weeks. Uh, there is a cold smoke baffle, which you might want to consider, but more importantly than that, I mean, if you're a barbecue guy, you're a meat guy. If you're a meat guy, you are a jerky guy. Get the jerky rods. Go buy your eye round of beef. Dave is the uh, the eye of round of beef, the, still the, the beef of choice for jerky. Slice it thin. Put it in your High Mountain Cure, whatever flavor you like. Let that do its thing. And fire up your Smoke Cat or your AmeriQ or your Super Smoker Elite. Hang the jerky rods after you pierce those thin slices of cured beef and watch the magic happen. Dave's saying top round as well is good for jerky. I'm telling you, it's going to be some of the best jerky you've ever had. It's, it's, it's awesome. Now, let me warn you. I don't know if this is a break-in period or not, but when you use that smoquette, you might get the the release or the burp. Watch out. Don't scare nothing. Don't scare nothing. People were running off the lanai in Florida like eight or nine dead. How long ago was that? Eight, nine years ago when that thing burped, when we were doing the big barbecue for the next day, man, my mom and myself took out like we were getting shot at by rival gangs on the lanai. Here's what you need to do. 800-423-0698 is the 800 number. Call a friendly sales consultant. Cookshack.com is the website. Again, the Smokehead, Smokehead Elite, the Super Smoker Elite, and the AmeriQ are your electric bottles. Inexpensive to operate, energy efficient, fully insulated, lots of great stuff to buy for accessories. It's Cookshack.com, 800-423-0698. We're back with Shane Vitavec right after this. Stick around. Alright, we are back. 216-220-0966. The email address is greg at the You Want to jump in tonight? My guest of the second hour is doing it barbecue style, food truck barbecue style, and believe it or not, doing it right here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. And it's not just your humble host saying this each and every Tuesday as I do the show. Open. Go to the hotline and welcome in the co-owner of the proper pig, Shane Vidovic, joining me here on the show. Shane, how are you, brother?
3: What's happening, Greg? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yes, uh, certainly my pleasure, Shane. Hey, uh, hit your camera button here so everybody can see what a, uh, what a handsome lad you are. There, there you go. go. Oh, look at this guy.
3: Represent Franklin's Barbecue today.
0: Yeah, Texas style uh, all the way around. All right, so once again, Skype has decided to take a crap on me in the worst way, and i got to do a little bit of housekeeping here to make sure the video looks good. All right, Shane, so uh, let's talk here a little bit. I I guess uh, most importantly as we start building into the proper pig and the food truck business and everything that you're uh, looking to accomplish here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, and perhaps around the world this domination might be in the plans as well down the road. Um, You know, what's your background? Like, what are you into uh, personally professionally? And then I guess uh, most importantly, uh, where does your, your want or your passion for barbecue come from?
3: Well, Greg, actually, I, I work a regular job during the week, the food truck, we just started up this year and uh, it's taken off crazy. So, I got into smoking about five years ago. I just had a little Brinkman electric smoker that I started out on and it was becoming like an every weekend type thing. I uh, then upgraded to a big green egg and I, which is awesome too. And then uh, I was sitting around with my buddy Ted had like 10 too many beers probably. And we're like, <laughs> we're smoking every single weekend. Why don't we, uh, why don't we try starting a business? And then, it's a lot of money to start a restaurant. So we figured why not just get a nice smoker, and throw it in a truck. Uh, we ran it by our wives. They must've drank 20 too many beers and they agreed to it. And uh, (laughs) Here we are every weekend out on the road.
0: (laughs) Wow. Um, all right. So, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a little bit more involved than that. Although I like the, uh, the nutshell version of it. Certainly. Um, I mean, did you guys, uh, did you and and Ted, by the way, uh, Ted Deposki is your, uh, partner in crime if you will or uh, uh, half of the of the proper are you the proper or are you the pig
3: I think the pig is uh we named it after some of Ted's past girlfriends so uh, uh ah, <laughs> <yeah>. watch out
0: <laughs> you can deal with that one later um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, like I mean are you guys just fans of, of barbecue or did you uh did you think it was a niche here in Cleveland that was you know wanting or, or what
3: no, I think we we really got into it because we love barbecue. I mean, it wasn't at first. We just started smoking and, and got the bug. Uh, we never never really thought it could be a business. And then uh, I took a trip down to Austin and uh, Lockhart and ate at Franklin Barbecue, ate at Black's Barbecue, and that's when I really like kind of fell in love with it because it was like uh, the kind of barbecue I was used to was more of a Carolina style, or what you what you get when you watch like. Uh, pitmasters or something like that, where it's 20 ingredient rubs, um, a lot of injection, a lot of that kind of stuff. And when you went down to like Franklin, it, it was so simple. It was like salt, pepper, the meat did. And, and you just let the meat show. And I think that's where I, I fell in love with like the simplistic part of it. And then I was like, you know, you see all these guys doing it in a city like Austin, where it's, there's a million barbecue places And there's still so many people making it. It was more of like a lifestyle. And then I was like, man, Cleveland doesn't have anything like this. And uh, I thought, you know, the people people deserve to taste some good barbecue.
0: And and I think it's important. I mean, obviously, I can sit here and talk about it each and every week, and there's probably, uh, you know, a certain amount of um, lip service or or non-lip service uh, for me to say, look, there's really not a barbecue scene in Cleveland or really anywhere surrounding uh, surrounding it, a lot of towns and cities across the country like to lay claim to some type of barbecue, but it's really not happening here. So, as somebody who is not the host of this show, uh, that being yourself, Shane, I mean, talk about a. I guess how awesome Cleveland is and the food scene in general, but then really, I guess uh, you know bolster my position by saying it has nothing to do with barbecue.
3: No, not at all. I mean, Cleveland's great. You could get a a pig head on one side of the street and then you could go down, down the street a little bit and you could get some of the most authentic, uh, Chinese food, Vietnamese food that you could get in the country. So, you know, since Mm -hmm. Cleveland's such a a melting pot of different cultures, you could get everything here. And there's some great young chefs here now, like the Jonathan Sawyers. Uh, you know, everybody knows Michael Simon, who's going to try in the barbecue world this, uh, this winter, but, the food scene here is just awesome. And and another thing about Cleveland that's gray is the beer scene. So what's better with, you know, great food than great beer. So we really feel there's, there's some room here for barbecue. The people want it. Um, let, let's face it. Cleveland's a meat eating type city. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, not people who are really looking to eat a bunch of salad. It's not California. It's a, uh, it's a good Midwestern working class city. And, and we like our meat, but. Do you think, I'm not going to name any names, but nobody's been cooking it right.
0: <laughs> that's right. Um, do you think that there is a Cleveland barbecue style yet, or do you still think it's, you know, if you're going to, well, with your truck or if I was going to open a restaurant, that the majority of people are trying to bring another region into Cleveland versus saying this is my take on what Cleveland-style barbecue should be?
3: I think if you really looked at Cleveland barbecue, it would be more like the, the po' boys uh, or the ribs. But it's mostly a, uh, it's not really slow smoke type barbecue. I think you're looking at more like grilled stuff, what I would consider grilled. I'm not saying it's not smoked for a long time. It's more grilled. And, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of places are doing the the whole reheated type thing where, you know, they're cooking a couple days a week and then reheating the rest of the week. So you're not really getting that that fresh meat, you know, I you're not, you're kind of getting shortchanged a little bit where when you go to a place like Texas, which is why I fell in love with this kind of barbecue. And this is why Ted and I decided to go with this kind. They're chopping it up. They're cutting it right in front of you. It's served right to order. So you're getting fresh stuff. You know, you don't got to worry that it was cooked two days before and just drowned in sauce. And, and we don't put sauce on anything. If you want to put sauce on it, go ahead. But uh, we let the meat, be the star of the
0: show. A lot of people wanted me to ask you this. Uh, you're from Cleveland. Obviously, you are in the barbecue business, so you probably spent a lot of time going around Cleveland barbecue restaurants. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple months ago, three, four, five, six months, whatever it is, uh, Al Bubba Baker was on the Shark Tank. He had his boneless rib steaks that, you know, to his credit, went over very well with the Sharks. He had a couple mm-hmm. of them uh, contending for him, and uh, ultimately he, he chose one, and uh, boom, they're in production um, but have you ever eaten at Bubba's Q? A and uh, B, yay or nay on the barbecue?
3: I have eaten. I've, I've eaten at Bubba's Q, and uh, I, I eat the boneless ribs, and, and they're fine. I mean, hey, Bubba's a big man. I'm not going to go talk too bad about his barbecue. Now, his style is uh is what I would say different than ours. I mean. Some people like blondes and other people like brunettes. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. Are so. you saying
0: some people like baked barbecue and some people like real barbecue? Uh,
3: to put no. words in my mouth, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I just think uh, ours focuses a little bit, bit less on sauce and stuff like that. And, and the slow smoking, I mean, it's, it's true Texas barbecue. I think it's different than maybe what they portray on TV where you see all the, the saucing and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, We were just in a a competition up here in Cleveland, which I know probably a lot of your listeners would laugh that we even had a barbecue competition up here in (laughs) Cleveland, but we opted to, to cook the way we always cook and not sauce anything and, and turn in what we would normally turn in. And we ended up winning the competition. So I think that, Goes a long way into in, into showing how Cleveland's ready for
0: champions. For real
3: Texas barbecue. Right, yeah.
0: I'm not bringing schmucks on this show. Uh, <laughs> Shane Vitavic joining me here on the show from the Proper Pig. Uh, his partner is Ted Depasquy, and he is the other uh, co-owner of the Proper Pig. Uh, not with us tonight, um, Ted. When you guys or T- Shane, when you and Ted are talking about or, or maybe throwing around the idea of getting into the barbecue business, and aside from having some adult libations, perhaps in excess, um, at some point you have to sober up and realize that uh, this may or may not be a good idea. So what did you guys take into consideration as far as you know, these are some things that we should really focus on to, to see if this is a viable idea or not and, and what direction we want to go in? Is it a restaurant or is it a, is it a food truck type of a situation? Because food trucks seem to be uh, very popular these days, especially over the last two, three, four years.
3: Well, in our situation, since we worked regular jobs, it wouldn't make sense for us to have a brick or mortar. We wanted to start off a little bit slower, so we thought, okay, let's put a, let's put a food truck together. So really what we had to learn, we weren't worried about the barbecue. We felt like we had pretty good skill at cooking the barbecue. Um, my mom says she likes it. Um, just kidding. But, uh...
0: Yeah, what mom does it?
3: Right, Yeah. but uh, no, so we really had to get to learn the food truck business before we even got into the barbecue business because there's a lot of regulation, uh, where can you park, where can't you park, uh, it's all marketing, you got to meet the people that you can get into the right events, or you're, if you're not making any money, you're going to go out of business no matter how food, how good your food is. So once we figured all that stuff out and actually built the truck, which took us probably four months longer than what we thought, um, the next big challenge was trying to decide how much food to actually cook, um, which we're still trying to fine tune. We just did a, a big flea market this weekend, and we sold out of of over two hundred pounds in about three and a half hours. So it's good and it's bad because we'd rather not run out, not run out, make a little bit more money. But it must mean we're doing something good if if we're getting that kind of demand. So it's uh, it, it was definitely uh, an eye opener because neither of us had any food experience other than maybe a year of working at Taco Bell when we were in high school. So it's, uh, you know, I I think we we have an advantage because our food is, it's not rushed. We we cook it overnight. It's all 12 hours or, or more cooking time. So whatever we have, we have, it's not like we have to cook on the fly. So it's once the food's cooked, we're just serving and having fun with the customers.
0: All right, so when you were talking about, uh, or you decide it's going to be food truck because you said you have the day jobs. You're not going to kick those and do some, you know, wild exercise and futility right. and, and get the restaurant crash and burn, and, you know, now you're divorced. And you're living right. with Ted <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, who you're going to be hooking up with to make ends meet. Right. Um, so, food truck it is. Do you. Like, is there, like, mentorfoodtruck.com that you can go and buy food trucks? Or uh, how are you locating a truck? And then, like, are you turning it into a food truck that you want? I mean, how does that? I mean, that's a pretty uh, important part of this whole situation.
3: Well, we went, first of all, we went to the most reliable place you could ever go to buy anything, Craigslist.
0: Yes. (laughs) uh, That and murderers.
3: Right. So we found... uh, (laughs) The greatest truck you could buy for about twelve hundred dollars, and and, uh, and drove down to Columbus and, and well, what, checked it out. What kind uh, of a truck
0: is it? Is it a food? Is it an existing food truck?
3: No, no, it was a like a bread truck. It was a nineteen eighty five Chevy P thirty,
0: like a step uh, van, A step
3: van, yeah. And it had nothing inside of it. it. I mean, and Ted and I know absolutely nothing about trucks. It was snowing out. We just saw it and we bought it and. You know, we've already had to replace a front end and a transmission, but we learned a lot and we built the entire thing on the, the entire thing, uh, from the ground up. Uh, we had, we mounted, a we cook on an FEC 120 cook shack. That's, uh, mounted right inside the truck. We wired the truck. We have the refrigerator in there. We have everything you possibly need. It's like a little rest, like a little restaurant, um, and mind you, we're not really handy guys. We did a lot of YouTube, did a lot of Internet searches, and and that's about it. That's how we learned how to do it. And uh, we've got good reviews from the health department. Uh, they say we d- did a great job, so guess we're not that dumb. <laughs> but,
0: so initial investment, you got 1200 bucks in the truck itself. How much money are you sinking for the retro to, to actually make it a food truck?
3: We're probably at about... 20 to five thousand maybe because the smoker itself costs more than a truck so uh it's uh you know there's a lot of build out insulation windows um er, the truck has water heaters water pumps water tanks uh refrigeration so we always joked our first rule about building a food truck is don't ever build a food truck <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, I mean, you were in, uh, you know, about th- almost three times, well, shit, four or five times uh, almost uh, the, the cost of what the actual truck was when you're doing all the retro stuff. As far right. as cookers are concerned, you said you did the uh, the FEC 120. Uh, yeah. There's a couple different models of FE cookers to use. Uh, I guess, how do you land on, I mean, certainly uh, Cookshack brand is um, the beyond approach. It's... Uh, an excellent cooker. FEC one hundred, obviously, heavily used in competitions. Uh, but I'm assuming it's the one hundred and twenty um, for a, a couple of other reasons, aside from. Uh, or did you? Were you considering the FEC one hundred as well?
3: You know, I talked to Cookshack about it uh, because the the FEC, FEC one hundred is what we initially were looking at. But basically, our truck's a big bomb. So if it catches on fire, it's probably going to explode. And uh, Cookshack explained to us with the FEC one hundred and twenty the. The uh, firebox is completely separate from the actual crate, so the flame there was there was a lot less chance of a, a grease fire inside there. The last thing we wanted is to be sleeping and then hear the truck explode outside like uh our neighbors would frown upon that I, I'm pretty sure the homeowners association wouldn't really like that one, <laughs> but uh so that that's the biggest reason I mean we looked at every different kind of smoker that you could ever that you could look at, and we felt that that one landed on. We landed on that because it seemed like the safest. Um, we liked the pellet system. It was pretty hand, you know, hands-free, kind of set the timer. You know, when we're doing it with uh, on the side, kind of, we didn't have a lot of time to sit up all night and uh, watch the fire. I mean, if it was up to us, we probably would cook the way they do down in Texas, but it's just with the food truck, that's the only way we could pass the health inspection. And it's also an NSF-approved unit, so... No problem passing health inspection when you're cooking on the cook shack.
0: All right, so uh, you have the cooker picked out. You have the truck all retrofitted. Um, you've done your due diligence on how to to go about getting you know licensed and and all that uh, health stuff that you were talking about a little bit ago. So uh, once you and, and Ted are on full go, did you have jobs lined up in advance of the truck actually launching down the road for the first time or? was it something where you you had it and now it's like oh oh it's done now nah, crap we got to actually go out and and sell some jobs and start making money back
3: uh we had we had no plan uh the first time we went out we went to a <laughs> <laughs> we don't plan we're not planning people Screw we're it. thinking we're thinking about expanding now and we're like well maybe we should talk to people that have done it before I'm like ah that's not the way we Forget do it, it. We'll figure, no way.
0: we'll
3: just figure it out right. but no we uh, uh honestly we got kind of lucky we we answered a call of somebody on twitter to to cater a party and it ended up being somebody that was uh pretty in the know here in cleveland and and they hooked us up with a couple jobs and then people see us out and the truck's the best marketing you know we came up with a pretty cool logo people like and and honestly ted and i are just pounding the pavement we're always on twitter on the internet uh just searching for the next place to go um you know, barbecue is a great thing because there's festivals that we could fit into. Um, there, a lot of people love barbecue. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the most popular kinds of cooking in the world. So we, uh, we could do a rib cook off or a barbecue competition, or we could also just go park in the street somewhere. So there's, we're pretty lucky when it comes to that. Um, but we're always trying to book, book, book stuff, uh, every single day. And, and, you know, we got a late start this year, so we missed out on some of the big food truck events Cleveland has too. So next year it's really, we're really expecting big things.
0: Uh, Shane Vitovic joining me here on the show. Shane, can I uh, hold you over for a break? And then we can uh, talk a little bit about menu and, and pricing and all that stuff. Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, Shane from the proper pig joining us here on the show. Uh, we will uh, ramp him down, go get a uh, libation. Shane, if you want to uh, enjoy the read here as we, Talk about my good friend Dave Bosca who was on a little bit earlier, Butcher's Barbecue. Folks, if you're like me, you're always looking to step up that barbecue and grilling game. We talked with Dave uh, a little while ago about the new pork injection. He's got that open pit flavor pork injection. You know, when I hear the words open pit, I'm like, no, barbecue sauce, orange, stain of death. No, no, that's not it. This is something. If you've been looking to add a little different flavor a little uh, savory to the pork get away from that sweet stuff that everybody's using i mean you heard dave say it himself look i, I want to offer up something in the tent that isn't going to be the well, that's one thing that i've been talking about for months and months and months, years maybe a lot of people are turning in similar stuff who's going to decide to get outside the box and offer up something that's going to set yours apart I'm sure there's a risk might be a little bit more offensive or less offensive or whatever, but take the risk. The risk is worth the reward. ButcherBBQ.com is the place to go. Uh, if you have a brick-and-mortar facility that sells David stuff, go there first. Support the brick-and-mortar stores first and foremost. But if you're like me and you don't have any access anywhere, ButcherBBQ.com is the place to go. You can try out now uh, the, the two different pork injections, the open pit, the regular pork. You have the beef injection. You have the prime injection. You have the bird booster what is that? Uh, pork, pork, beef, beef, and chicken. It's five different kinds of injection as the whole, but even the chicken has a number of different variations as well, so lots of different ones to choose from, experiment with. You heard Dave say he was using rotisserie chicken injection in his pork for crying out loud. Mix it up. Live a little. Variety, the spice of life. Four chicken flavors, two pork flavors, two beef flavors. Uh, as I said, variety, of spice of life. Uh, If you're looking for go-to rubs and sauces, Butcher's has it as well. Uh, Dave said he's working on some new rubs that may or may not be available for sale here shortly. You know I love the honey rub. Uh, I once had a five-pound bag that is now a half-pound a bag. Oh, no! I'll be ordering more shortly. And then, of course, you have that sweet barbecue sauce. If I'm not making my own, I make sure I keep at least four or six bottles stocked in my barbecue vault because I want something that I can trust, that I can go to, that I know, only is my palate going to be happy using it? But my friends, my family, look, I'm in a house full of women, and they're not going to pull any punches when barbecue sauce sucks or if it's good. And Butcher's barbecue sauce, undoubtedly good. revered in this house. ButcherBBQ.com is the website. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Try the new open pit pork injection. You'll be happy that you did. Shoot Dave emails. He will converse with you. Should he see fit? Don't ask stupid questions. Ask good questions. Dave will respond back in kind. Butcherpbq.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back with Shane Vidovic, Proper Pig, right after this.
2: Big name interviews. Advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966, Greg at com. We are talking with Shane Vidovic from The Proper Pig. that is a food truck. Based here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Shane, uh, thanks for hanging with me through the break here. Um, Hey, no problem. Menu, whether it's restaurant, whether it's food truck. I mean, you know, here in Cleveland there is, um, you know, not a uh, what I would call a shit ton of food trucks, but. There's a, a decent amount, uh, but they seem to be spawned off of what is a successful brick-and-mortar restaurant. Uh, Fahrenheit has a food truck. There's a couple other ones that I can't think of right off the top of my head that are brick-and-mortar-based food trucks. Uh, but yours is different. Obviously, you are uh, all-encompassing. It's the food truck or, or nothing with you. So how do you decide menu-wise uh, what's going to make it to the truck, the um, and I guess how has, if at all, has the menu changed from when you first started uh, or had an idea to do it and what was more realistic and, and what actually made it on the truck?
3: Uh, You know, when we first started, we had a lot more sides. We were doing, like, macaroni and cheese and beans and all that kind of stuff. But people didn't really even want – it just wasn't
0: – Shano.
3: For as much room slow down. Yeah, you can you hear me yeah,
0: froze up yeah you you're good now you're good now
3: all right yeah but uh like i said we were doing macaroni and cheese and beans and coleslaw chips a bunch of different sides and at the end of the day people basically just wanted coleslaw with their barbecue and which was fine with us because we didn't have a lot of space and it we had like five different kinds of potato chips it was slowing everything down making everything really tough um so the sides are what we we mostly cut down on so that's that's where we really cut back. As far as what we want to do, being in Cleveland, we're not held to any kind of specific style of barbecue, so we could do what we could screw around. If we want to smoke a bacon wrapped meatloaf and sell it, we could smoke a bacon wrapped meatloaf. If we want to do brisket nachos, we could do that. But but every time you come out to see us, we'll have brisket, yep. uh, pulled pork, yep. um, and Texas hot link sausages. And then also we'll have uh, bacon on a stick, which is like our best-selling menu item, especially when we do these events where there's alcohol involved. So yeah,
0: I got a picture of it. Here it is. Ready for this? Bacon on a stick. Boom. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, this is uh, incredible. Let me see if I can't actually uh, bump in on this a little bit more so you can see. I mean, this, here's what I dig about bacon on a stick is the fact that here we go. Look at this lady. I mean, she is ready to suck down pork like nobody's business. But here's the key to bacon on a stick, and I must say I was uh, honored that I was uh, able to sample all your stuff there when you were up in Willoughby a couple weeks ago. Um, look how thick cut that bacon is, man. That is badass. I mean, this ain't your mother's Sugardale, you know, paper-thin bacon strip. I mean, that is looks like it's damn near a quarter inch like a steak.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Unfortunately, we eat too much of it on the truck too. So, (laughs) but yeah, I don't think there's been a a day we've taken the truck out that the bacon hasn't sold out, and it's like a mob when we tell them we're all out. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. You would think it'd be all like three hundred pound dudes uh, coming up for bacon on a stick, but we get more bacon sold to women than we do men. Actually, a lot of time the guy will buy it, and then the girl will snatch it right out of his hand and. Start gnawing away on it. So is that
0: because a, Cleveland has a bunch of fat broads running around, or what?
3: <laughs> I think they just love bacon. We'll put. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think
0: so. I think you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. really good. So, I mean, when you have bacon that thick, I mean, it's hard enough. I guess um, preparing bacon in the smoker where it's edible, so it's not like rubbery. I guess. Right. So, what's like the cooking process on that bacon? Because it is a it is a thick cut.
3: Uh, you know the the great thing about the bacon is we could cook it a little bit long. If it gets a little a little crispy, people love it that way too. Because you know there's two different camps. There's the crispy camp, and then there's the the kind of not so cooked camp. So if we we'd rather, if you cook it a little bit too much, there's a lot of people that love it crispy. But uh, really, the key to the bacon is the glaze that we put on it. We add you know like a brown sugar maple syrup. Uh, we add a little beer into the glaze, so it. it cut some of the saltiness out of there. But we, we basically just uh, put it in the smoker and let the smoker do its job. You know, it's uh, maybe about 45 minutes in, inside the smoker, and it's ready to go.
0: As far as the hot links, which, you know, all things being equal, when I was uh, sampling all the products there at, uh, the, at the Beer Fest or whatever the hell that thing with the Bourbon Fest, um, the the sausage was phenomenal and it was this isn't something that you're just rolling up and getting you actually got some guy and uh, I figured it was like central ohio or columbia station or somewhere like that who's uh, yeah. making it for you i mean it's uh, it's really top notch stuff so i guess uh, you know where did you get the recipe and how did you find some guy to to make it
3: you know really i just it it, it comes from when we ate down in in texas where it's uh you know it's just the it's basically beef and pepper and cayenne and pepper and salt i mean when it, we're not we're a little bit different than like your typical like competition barbecue guy we will pretty much tell you everything that's in any of our food we're not too worried about it i mean it's uh we're cooking we're cooking the food to make people happy and and so they enjoy it we don't care if we're winning anything or doing anything like that so if you want to go home and uh and cook what we're cooking that's fine by us we'll uh give you the recipe if you want a lot of that comes from Aaron Franklin down in Texas. You go on the Internet, he'll tell you exactly what he puts on, every, how he cooks all his food. He's not worried about it. You know, it's, the, it's for the soul more than, you know, we like to make a little bit of money. But, you know, barbecue is something that anybody can do in their backyard. And, and uh, there doesn't need to be any secrets. We all just, you know, ultimately everybody stands around their barbecue, drinks some beer, you know. So it's, uh, that's how we like to run the truck
0: shane oh, vidovic joining me here on the show from the proper pig uh shane when you are cooking and uh, obviously a, you know, the meat selection is one thing and, and finding consistent purveyors of, of good stuff i mean you don't want to have crap uh, obviously a good product to start with is going to yield a, a good finished product right um but how do you go about you know pricing and, and costing you know every little thing on that truck costs money or is an expense and i think that to a, a certain extent, that is something that it can be easily overlooked. Uh, you haven't accounted for it in how you're pricing or costing, and you're tallying up receipts at the end of a weekend or a day or a Christmas party or whatever the hell you're doing, and you're like, God, damn, we should be this percentage ahead, and I can't figure out where the hell we were at. Uh, how do you make sure or, or what measures did you take to make sure that you weren't shortchanging yourself right off the bat in the business aspect?
3: Well, the biggest challenge was the yield, how much we were going to get out of the meat when we threw the the shoulders in or the briskets in, how many sandwiches or how many servings, how many samplers we'd be able to get out of it. So we really had to pay close attention to what yield we were getting out of the meat. And with the FEC 120, your yield is like awesome in that thing. So we're able to get a pretty good amount of food per shoulder. So uh, my job that I have, my regular job is really analytical. So you know, spreadsheets, stuff like that. You kind of figure out how much meat you're using, how much a bun costs or how much a container costs and, and price it out per that. Plus you look at the market and see what other people are charging for similar things. I mean, we're not, you don't want to be the cheapest guy, but you don't want to be the most expensive guy either, because we are putting a lot of time into it and we're cooking good food. So, uh, you know, people go to a food truck, they think it should be super cheap because it's just a, a kitchen on wheels. But Anytime we drive that thing anywhere, it costs us money just in gasoline alone just to get it there. And uh, so so basically, I mean, everything accounts for a certain dollar amount, and we just add it together and then see what the market will bear, I guess. And, you know, different events kind of have different pricing ranges, too, no matter where you're at. You know, if you're doing a small church event, you might sell sliders and charge a little less than if you're on the street where people might want bigger sandwiches or something like that. So. That's the best part of a food truck. We could change everything whenever we want to change it, so it's uh, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a good way for us to start out in the business.
0: Yeah, I guess that was going to be the next question: was do you have one set pricing model and it holds true from event to event to event? But obviously, you answered that, so you can kind of change on the fly as the situation dictates. Right. Um, you know, the next question is: you know, you mentioned you were at a, a flea market this past weekend. And within three hours, you're you're out of all the food. So you know, as you said, uh, curse blessing. Everybody ate your food. Obviously, they loved it. Uh, you wish you would have had more because you could continue to sell it. Obviously, because there was demand there. So mm-hmm. leading to an event, uh, how are you figuring out how much you're going to cook? And and do you ever continually cook on site? Do you have like X amount pre cooked? And then when you show up to the event, you jam in, you know, 10 or 12 more pork shoulders and three or four briskets just to have, uh, in case, or is that like not, uh, business prudent?
3: Well, most of, you know, most of our stuff takes 12 hours and most of our events aren't, aren't close to that long. So certain stuff we could cook rather quick, like bacon, we could cook rather quick. Uh, sausages don't take 12 hours to cook. Uh, and we could crank the heat up on the smoker a little bit too, if we have to, but, um, when it comes to pork or brisket, what we have is what we have when we pull in there, and if it sells out, like our brisket, we can barely cook enough to to keep it in stock. Because in Cleveland, we're not getting too much. nope, you're not getting too much good uh, good brisket. Uh, most people up here think brisket is is uh, steamed kind of more more of the the Jewish cooking yeah. style, I guess, of brisket. So it's uh, the brisket people get it, and it just goes like crazy. So uh, it, it's like you said it's a blessing and a curse i mean we we should we in coming up in the future we're just gonna cook more and cook more and hey if we have to take it home and eat it that or give it away to people that's we're still getting our food out there to people even if we have to give it to other vendors or or whatever just give it away it's it's not the worst case scenario i mean we'll we'll be fine at the end of the day but yeah it's you know it's it's hard to It's hard to judge that. That's been the hardest part of the business for us is to decide how much food to cook because we have no track record to go off of. So um, we've been pretty blessed, though, that we pretty much sell out everywhere. Even if we cook more than the previous week, it's always gone. So it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, and
0: obviously there's a reputation being built as well, which is a good thing. And, you know, being the analytical guy you are, you're keeping track of where you've been at. If you're coming back next year, obviously you can – uh, make adjustments to that spreadsheet as well uh, from what mm-hmm. the the previous events have held for you um, where uh, obviously you want this to be a success like where do you see this you know in a year from now or two years from now do you still see you and Ted working day jobs and doing this part time or is the goal for one or both of you to to be at this full time and and have multiple trucks and is there a, a restaurant dream in the future like what's the what's the five ten fifteen year plan?
3: I think the the ultimate dream would be to have a restaurant uh similar to like the ones you see in Texas where you walk up to the counter, place your order, tater I'm slicing the meat right there, the other one's throwing on the sides and a couple pieces of white bread, you go and you go sit down and eat, you know, maybe at a at a shared table where you meet people you may never met before, kind of a community type thing, you know. Cleveland's becoming uh a little bit cooler when it comes like that there's there's a lot of more community there's a pretty big community feeling and uh, I think that's kind of how we want to feel if we had a restaurant um, maybe that's a couple years down the road if we're lucky um, but for right now next year we're just going to hit it on the truck as many times as we can and and uh, crank it out and but I don't think we'll ever open up another truck I think uh, the next step would be a brick-and-mortar place because it's just you know Cleveland it snows like what eight months out of the year so uh
0: that's right
3: (laughs) we got a couple events planned for the winter but it's it's not gonna be fun to stand out there in the freezing cold you know like uh so you know maybe something small uh you could kind of control your costs a little bit more if you if you do it uh the texas style where it's all like uh cut to order and serving where you don't have to have waitresses and stuff like that you know place where you go down with your buddies and you grab a beer and eat some good barbecue
0: you know, that's always been my take is, you know, you because know, my mom says that she loves my barbecue as well. Jane maybe didn't know that. And, uh, you know, friends and, and, and people that live around here are like, oh, dude, you should open up a restaurant. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. Except for the fact, as you mentioned, that it snows like seven, eight months out of the year. So yeah. to me, it's like the best thing that you could do is find a like a, an abandoned tasty freeze. Mm hmm. Overtake it, Kind of like Todd Johns was talking about in the first hour with his plowboys. He had a, an old Rendy's that he has since renovated. But, you know, for me, not even that big. Just like an old ice cream place, renovated a little bit, stick a smoker somewhere, uh, whether it be out back cooking live fire or uh, something like an old hickory or an FEC or something like that. Um, me, maybe my wife or some, you know, hot high school chick or something like that to serve. Um, <laughs> but no eat in, you know, no as little overhead as possible. And then, you know, at 2:30 once I've sold out of all my meat, I hang the sign. Everybody comes back the next day. I just don't see that concept working here because nobody's going to wait outside starting now yeah. through the end of March. So, I mean, it has to be a, a more traditional restaurant setting for you to to really go after, and I think that's what you're talking about.
3: Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, Chipotle's kind of changed the way people look at restaurants yes. anymore. People wait in line in that line to get a burrito for <laughs> a half hour. You know, they'll have fifty people deep in there. You know, so I don't know. You know, part of us like to to look at the numbers, but then as you could tell from the truck, we don't really plan too much ahead. We might just one day jump into it. So it's uh, it I don't know. It's an adventure. We don't think too far ahead. So <laughs> it's uh, but yeah, I I, I totally agree. Um, but I also waited in line at Franklin's Barbecue for forty or for four hours in forty degree weather in the rain, so I'm not the guy to ask, probably. So.
0: All right. Well, let's ask but. you this: uh, since you waited in the line, uh, life changing or life mistaking
3: Oh, life changing. That was really. That's what drove, that's what drove me to this whole thing. I, without waiting in that line, I probably would have never, uh, never. Have gone through with my part of the truck. You probably
0: waited so long you contracted malaria or something like that (laughs) for credit.
3: No, the atmosphere is awesome. People are tailgating. It's like tailgating. You're drinking beer and you're you're just waiting. You're meeting. You're making new friends. People in the line. Everybody's looking for good barbecue and Basically, when you get in there, you're just ready to hand over your whole wallet because you're so hungry.
0: (laughs) Let me me ask you this question, and uh, I know Aaron is actually a fan of the show, and he listens late night while he's uh, making all the barbecues. Shout out to Aaron for listening. Yeah, Um, Hit me back. We need to have you back on. Do you think that Franklin's has become so popular and there is a consistent line, three hours. You wait a four-hour line. It's wrapping around God knows where halfway to Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, do you think anybody would say, ah, shit, I just wasted four hours of my life and the barbecue was average? Do you think anybody would say that, uh, or do they feel like at this point they have to say that it was well worth the wait? Um Be honest.
3: For me, it was definitely worth the wait. But I, I mean, I'm sure there's people that maybe I go to every single barbecue I, that's within like uh, three hours of here. So I've compared it to a lot, and I've never had anything that that was like one where you wake up the next morning in your pajamas and you're like eating it for breakfast, cold out of the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's good. But uh, but I don't know. You know, maybe maybe it's the atmosphere. Maybe the the food's great, but also you know he's standing there, he's taking his time to to greet everybody that comes in there. It's more of a it's more of an experience yeah, too. Right. You know, it's uh there's something to be said about about somebody that's in it to do the because they like cooking than to just make money. You know, it's uh I'm sure he's making plenty of money, but he's also there at two in the morning to, to check the smokers and everything like that. And and you know, he's probably exhausted, but he's in there greeting you know, I shook his hand, everybody in the line shook his hand, and I think that's uh that's also what people love too. It's a really down to earth place, it makes you feel like uh like you're part of something, I think too.
0: Shane Vitovic is uh co owner of the Proper Pig Smokehouse, a food truck right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh do you have a, a website, Shane, or you just go through the Facebook or what?
3: Yeah, we're we're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh Twitter's uh Proper Pig Barbecue, Facebook's Proper Pig Smokehouse. Um like us check it out we're always posting pictures uh we're always watching everything everybody's doing in barbecue so we try to retweet some cool stuff that we see uh it's a it's a lot of fun man if you're not on that twitter you're there's no way uh there's no way you're gonna live in this business that's right
0: get on the social media Uh, you know it's been
3: a great summer it's been a great summer in cleveland you know absolutely uh, first we got great barbecue and then second place we got uh, lebron back so yeah <laughs> championships are coming back home baby yeah uh
0: well coming back home chances are coming home finally uh all <laughs> right uh, shane vidovic from the proper pig smokehouse food truck right here in cleveland uh really appreciate the time man and uh we'll we'll talk to you soon
3: hey thanks a lot for having us
0: yeah you got it there he is shane thanks. partner ted keep it a real hold it, da- it down hold it down right here on the mean streets of cleveland ohio with the proper pig food truck now that's what i want it's the straight cash dope from somebody that is living the barbecue business in Cle- cleveland he is the proper pig smokehouse find him on the facebook's at proper pig bbq on the tweeter doing it doing it because it loves it all the way back in the first hour, we had Todd Johns of the Pork Pullin Plowboys talking about his two new restaurants. Talked with Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue, talking about the open pit flavor new pork injection that he has, butcherbbq.com, or if you have a brick-and-mortar area, check that out first, support them, and then if you can't, go online. And then Shane Vitovic from The Proper Pig helping me close out the second half of the show. You have raw cast iron, folks, reseason it each and every time. As it starts to cool down from use. Hit it with a grill brush, make sure it's clean, and then spray a little pan. Pan. A little Crisco, rub it on there, let it burn back in, you get generations of rust-free service. Also, oh, hell Hi, no, Dan, hell no! Ugh. Oh. I forgot to turn off the automatic fade. Anyway, Generations Rush Be also September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe, good night guys.